The Word of God will come to us this morning from 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. The title of the message this morning is The Danger of Following False Teachers. At the end of chapter 1, Peter is calling on Christians to believe and heed the prophecies of Scripture regarding the return of Jesus. One of the reasons he tells them they need to believe and heed these prophecies is because, he tells us, the prophets spoke from God. But, as we're going to learn this morning, that doesn't mean we should believe or heed the words of just anyone who claims to be speaking from God or for God. In other words, just because there are legitimate prophets that have spoken from God, that does not mean everyone who claims to be speaking for God is authentic. There are, as we'll see this morning, false teachers. 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Please stand for the reading of God's holy word. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will also be false teachers among you, who will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them the way of the truth will be maligned, and in their greed... They will exploit you with false words. Their judgment from long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not asleep. Let's pray. Father, there is a warning here for your people. Help us to hear it and heed it for your glory and the good of our own eternal souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. For more than 40 years, a lighthouse stood on a large peninsula jutting out into the Tasman Sea in southern Australia. But here's the thing, the lighthouse stood in a place where it shouldn't have. And the lighthouse actually lured ships into the rocks that the ships were trying to avoid. The cliffs around Cape St. George which is just south of the Jervis Bay, they were notorious for having shipwrecks along the coast there. So it was decided that a lighthouse should be built to help the ships navigate the coastline. Well, in 1857, architect Alexander Dawson started looking for a site that would be appropriate to put a lighthouse. Unfortunately, it seemed his biggest concern is which site would make construction easy and not necessarily which site would be best to help ships navigate the coast. Well, he chose a site, and the pilot's board went to view the site to see how suitable it was, and the board decided the site was not at all suitable for a lighthouse. It was not in a good place. Despite problems, Despite disagreement by the board, 
the chairman of the board still somehow approved building the lighthouse where the architect suggested. Over the next four decades, the lighthouse was responsible for at least two dozen shipwrecks until eventually in 1899 the lighthouse was replaced and torn down. The lighthouse who was supposed to protect them from the rocks actually guided them into the rocks. This very morning many who bear the title teacher or preacher will stand before a group of people such as yourself. And people will listen, expecting this person to shine the light of truth that will lead them to the way of life. But what they don't know is that what they will hear is not the truth at all. It's a lie that will lead them not to life, but to death. They think the path they're following, the, the path they're being led down is going to strengthen their faith when actually it will shipwreck their faith. They don't know it. But they're listening to, they're heeding, they're following false teachers. What's the danger of following false teachers? If you follow false teachers, you will follow them to destruction. Let me say that again. If you follow false teachers, you will follow them to destruction. Can I tell you, false teaching is not just harmless misinformation. It is poison. False teachers are not just misinformed servants of God. They are emissaries of the enemy. And the concerns that Peter addresses in this letter all stem from a group of false teachers that have infiltrated the church in Asia Minor. And in the verses we're looking at this morning, Peter is sending a very clear message. Don't follow false teachers because they are headed for destruction. You notice what Peter says in verse 1 of chapter 2. He has just told us that there were genuine prophets who spoke from God. But then he says, but false prophets also arose among the people. In other words, in times past, in Old Testament days, there were genuine prophets, but there were also many false prophets. And then he says, just as there will also be false teachers among you. Here's the warning. He didn't say there might be false teachers among you. He said there will be false teachers among you. And his warning in these verses is don't follow them because they're headed to destruction. And he doesn't just tell us that they are doomed. He tells us why. Three reasons false teachers are headed for destruction. Here's the first reason. They deny the Lord's authority. False teachers are headed for destruction because they deny the Lord's authority. Verse 2, there will be false teachers among you, watch this, who will secretly 
introduce destructive heresies. What is a heresy? Heresy is a teaching that is contrary to what is considered acceptable Christian teaching. In other words, it's some teaching that is outside the boundaries of sound doctrine. It is some teaching that goes against good, sound, biblical Christian teaching. For example, one heresy is those who do not believe in the Trinity. That would be considered a heresy. It is outside the bounds of acceptable Christian doctrine. The belief that there are many ways to God. Christianity is not the only way. That's another heresy. That's outside the bounds of Christian doctrine. Those like Jehovah's Witnesses who don't believe that Jesus is actually God. Those are outside the bounds of sound Christian teaching. Those are the kind of things we would call heresy. Peter said there will be false teachers who will secretly introduce these destructive heresies. What makes them destructive is that they lead those who believe them and follow them to eternal ruin. It's what they result in that makes them destructive. And notice what he said. He said they secretly introduce these destructive heresies. Can I tell you this? False teachers are subtle. Nobody comes into the church with the word heretic tattooed on their forehead. No, 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 no. They say a lot of good things. They come into the church and they appear to be genuinely converted. They, they know the lingo. On the outside, they would appear to be sound. But the longer you listen the more you hear their teaching, they begin to introduce things that are contrary to Scripture. In the case of the false teachers here that Peter's dealing with, the particular heresy that these teachers were introducing is the teaching that Jesus is not going to return again. They said, no, no, no. The apostles had taught them Jesus is going to come you need to be godly and be prepared because he's coming and you don't know when. Well, these false teachers said, no, nah, he's not coming back. You're not going to have to stand before him and answer for your life. In other words, they were saying it's okay to live a godly life, to, to live an ungodly life, because you're not going to have to answer to Jesus. He's not coming back for you. You understand? The heresy led people into ungodliness. That's what made it destructive. They come in here and they're subtle. And they teach these things. And I want you to see what happens. L look at verse 2 again. They secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them. They go as far as denying the master who bought them. Let's, let's talk about this phrase, the master who bought them. The master is a reference to Jesus. And the word bought has the idea of redemption. The picture is of someone purchasing a slave. A master buying someone out of slavery to serve him. And here's the picture. You've heard the word redemption. We talk about being redeemed. Well, the word means to purchase. Jesus purchased us 
at the cost of his own life, right? Peter said in his other book, other letter, that you were purchased, you were redeemed, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of a lamb without spot or blemish. So Christ purchased us at the cost of his life out of slavery to sin and Satan in order to serve him. That makes him our new master. We, we use the word Lord. Lord means master. What he says here is, in their teaching and in their ungodliness, they are denying the master who has supposedly purchased them to serve him. In other words, they call Jesus Lord. They say that they follow Jesus and he's their master, but by their ungodliness, they deny him. What is it exactly they deny? They live as if Jesus has no authority over their life to tell them how to live. You understand? He's supposed to be master, but they're living ungodly. They're living in disregard of what he tells them to do. You remember what Jesus said? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? If you're not going to do what I say. The word Lord means master. It means boss. Why do you say I'm your master if you're not going to do what I tell you to do? I'm not your Lord if you're not going to obey me. You see what Peter's saying? In this heresy they teach, promoting this ungodliness, they are actually denying the Lord's authority over their life. They're saying, listen, they're saying, I don't have to do what you say. And it sounds like they're genuinely born again. He says, even denying the master who bought them, like Jesus has already redeemed them. But that's not the idea. What he's saying is they're, they're denying the master who they profess has bought them, has redeemed them. How do we know they weren't really, quote, saved? Because Jesus describes people just like this in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we heal people in your name? Didn't we do all these good things in your name? And I will say to them, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. Do you catch that? I never knew you. He's not saying, I stopped knowing you when you started living ungodly. No, no, no. I never knew you. It's the same with these false teachers. Oh, they say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we do this? We profess your name. What Peter's saying is they never knew him. And evidence of it is they deny his authority over their lives. And notice... What Peter says, the end of verse 2, bringing swift destruction on themselves. The path they are following will bring upon them swift. You could use the word sudden destruction. The Lord Jesus is going to come back in a moment in the twinkling of an eye judgment will fall. 
Just as salvation will come in the blink of an eye for the, for the godly, for the ungodly and unbelieving judgment will come in a moment in the blink of an eye. And catch this, they'll have nobody to blame but themselves. Did you see what the scripture said? Bringing swift destruction upon themselves. Now, don't you miss what the point here is. These false teachers practicing and promoting ungodliness are headed for destruction. So if you follow them, where are you headed? They deny the Lord's authority in their life. And if you buy into their philosophy, if you buy into their teaching, if you follow them in that way of life, then you too are denying the Lord's authority over your life. Listen to me. There are people standing in pulpits all over this country this very morning who will stand and say that homosexuality is an acceptable lifestyle in the eyes of God. That is poison. It is a lie from the enemy. And if you buy into that philosophy and you allow your life to be guided by such ungodliness, you will end up in the same place of destruction they will. They are, they are not the friend of Jesus when they promote ungodliness. And that's just one example. Abortion is another example. There are those who will stand in the pulpit supposedly speaking for God and say that it's okay to slaughter unborn children. And if you buy into that, and you follow that, and you give in to that ungodliness... You'll follow them right to destruction. It will lead you to the same eternal damnation that they're going to face. There's a second reason false teachers are headed for destruction, and I want to show it to you. It's in verse 2. False teachers will face destruction because they dishonor the Lord's name. Look at verse 2. Speaking of the false teachers, he says, Many will follow their sensuality. Many will follow their sensuality. The word sensuality speaks of immorality, particularly sexual immorality. Many who profess to be Christians in the church will follow them in their pattern of ungodliness. They're preaching and teaching that to live ungodly is okay. Jesus is not coming back. You're not going to have to answer for ungodliness so you can live any way you want to. So they practice ungodliness. They promote it. And many people will be fooled into living ungodly lives. Why? Because people love for you to tell them that their sin is okay. Don't they? Those who are not really converted, man, they, they love it when somebody tells them that it's okay to indulge your sinful behavior. God's not going to be mad at you. It's okay. God approves. Or you're not going to have to answer to God. 
Many people are going to hear the teaching of these people who promote ungodliness and they, they're attracted to it because that's what they want somebody to tell them. That it's okay to indulge your sinful nature. That it's okay to kill that baby just because you wasn't expecting to have it. It's okay to follow your perverted sexual desires. It's okay to live with that boy or that girl like you're married outside of marriage because that's just normal and natural. That's the way things are in our society today. Listen, there are people who are going to preach that kind of garbage and millions will flock to it. What's the result? Look at it in verse 2. Because of them, the way of the truth will be maligned. Maligned, to be spoken against. I want you to think about something. When people who wear the name Christian live in ungodliness, they reflect poorly on the true faith, on the gospel. People look at those who call themselves Christians and they're ungodly and they're no different than the lost world and they'll say, you're supposed to be a Christian but you're no different than anybody else. You're not living, what makes you special? And what happens is not just the Christian faith is maligned but the name of Jesus is dishonored. Why? Because you can't separate Christ from Christianity. If you take Christ away, there is no Christianity. When people defame and dishonor the Christian faith, they are defaming and dishonor the Lord himself. And when false teachers promote ungodliness and people flock to it because that's what they want to hear, the whole thing results and people claiming to know Jesus, but living in ungodliness. And it causes the name of Christ to be slandered. You're dragging the name of Jesus through the mud. When you live an ungodly life. Can you imagine what it would have been like to be a close relative of Jeffrey Dahmer living in the same town that he lived in? Can you imagine if you were his brother or sister and you lived right up the street from where he lived and your name was Dahmer? Can you imagine how awful it would be even after he was locked up and dead when people ask you what your name is and you don't want to tell them why? Because the actions of your brother have so marred your name that no one will ever be able to say that name and not think of him. And whether you like it or not, you're always going to be tied to him and associated to him. What he did was so horrible that it, it, it's just going to be almost impossible to alienate yourself from that. Can I tell you? The way you live affects how Christ is viewed and seen in this world and you, nothing you can do to change that. 
You're either going to reflect him well by living in godliness and holiness, or you're going to bring slander to his name by your ungodliness. And what Peter's telling us here is these men are going to be judged because they're promoting and practicing ungodliness. They're teaching that it's okay. Many people are going to flock to it. They're going to begin to live ungodly, and society's going to notice, and it's going to bring shame to the name of Jesus. Can I tell you this? God will not hold you guiltless if by your life you cause the name of His Son to be slandered. God will not hold you guiltless if by your life you cause the name of His Son to be slandered. Why shouldn't you follow teachers follow false teachers? Because if you follow false teachers, if you fall into that ungodliness they teach, then you bring shame to the name of your Lord. There's a third reason I want to show you why false teachers are headed for destruction. They exploit the Lord's people. They exploit the Lord's people. Verse 3. And in their greed... They will exploit you with false words. The word exploit is actually a business term. It means they use people for their own personal benefit. In other words, the, the, the primary interest of false teachers is selfish. They're concerned about themselves, their own welfare, their own possessions, their own benefit. They're not teaching you because they love you and they're concerned about you and they want you to prosper in the Lord. They want you to have heaven. They're teaching as a way to gain reputation for themselves, to gain a following for themselves, to gain money for themselves, make themselves known. It's all about them. He said in greed, they're exploiting. In other words, they're just using you for their own benefit. They don't really care anything about you. And look what he says. They exploit you with false words. In other words, they're teaching you something that has no basis in truth. They don't care if it's not true. They only care if it gets you to lend them your support or your money or attach themselves. In other words, they just preaching what works. They don't care if it's true. If it'll make the sale. If it'll get you in my corner, I'll say whatever I have to say. That's the idea. And Peter said, look, these people are using you. They are using God's people. That people are just something to be exploited for personal gain. Contrast that with what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 5. We never came with a flattering word, as you know, nor with a pretext for greed. God is witness. 
Paul said, we never came to you flattering you with lies and stuff just to get you to love us and support us. We never came to you with greed, trying to, trying to gain and get for ourselves. That's just the opposite of what these guys were doing. Everything they were saying was intended to lie in their pocketbooks, make a name for themselves, to increase their own following. They weren't trying to get a following for Jesus. They were trying to get a following for themselves. And the people were just the tool they used to try to do it. They used this false teaching to hoodwink people, tell them what they wanted to hear, flat them, say whatever they had to. In order to lie in their own pockets. I just read this yesterday. Most of you know who Joel Osteen is. Joel Osteen is the pastor of, quote, Lakewood Church. It's not really a church, but it's a, a congregation that meets in what used to be the Astrodome. Probably the largest congregation in the country by far, I suspect. You know what I read yesterday? His quote church, his followers, just paid off a hundred million dollars of his personal debt. There's so many problems with that, I don't even know where to start. No man of God would be a hundred million dollars in debt. A man of God ain't got no business owning something that's worth a hundred million dollars. But smiling Joel tells those people what they want to hear and they love it. He has hoodwinked them. Most of them are not rich. Oh, but he is. He's manipulated them for his own benefit. He's exploited them out of greed. He don't care anything about those people. You don't know that preacher. I do because if you cared about him, he'd tell him the truth. If he really cared about those people, he, he wouldn't go in a hundred million dollars in debt buying toys and houses and junk and properties. And I want you to notice how verse 3 ends. Their judgment from long ago is not idle and their destruction is not asleep. He mentions their judgment from long ago. What does that mean? That means God has already long ago decided their fate. God has passed judgment on such people like this long ago. And he said in their judgment is not idle and it's not asleep. What's that mean? It means it won't be delayed. God has already declared judgment on such people and their judgment will not be delayed one second. They're headed for destruction. And here's what I want to say to you, church. When judgment day comes, you don't want 
to find yourself associated with those people. You remember the story of Dathan and Abiram? Dathan and Abiram were the ones in the Old Testament, you remember, who, who said to Moses and Aaron, look, these are all God's people. Why, did, why are only you able to be priests? We could be priests just like you. We're all God's people. But yet God hadn't chosen them to be priests. Well, they had a little demonstration to demonstrate who God had really chosen and who he hadn't. Obviously, Moses and Aaron revealed to be the ones God had set aside to serve him as priests. Now I want to read you what it says in Numbers 16, 25 and 26. Then Moses arose and went to Dathan and Abiram with the elders of Israel following him. And he spoke to the congregation saying, Turn aside now from the tents of these wicked men and touch nothing that belongs to them, lest you be swept away in all their sin. These are the ones that God opened the ground and swallowed them. And Moses said, if you don't want to be caught up in the judgment that's coming to them, then get away from them as fast as you can. The judgment of those who teach falsehood and promote ungodliness has already been determined. It will not be delayed, and you better get as far away from them as you can. See, this is the problem. People will follow teachers that affirm their sin and make allowance for ungodly behavior. They'll flock to it. But if you follow false teachers, you will follow them to destruction. Don't listen to any so-called preacher or teacher who practices, promotes, or condones ungodliness in any way. Don't listen to those who say that homosexuality is an acceptable lifestyle in the eyes of God. Don't listen to those who make light of immorality like drunkenness. Don't listen to those who refuse to stand and say premarital sex is morally wrong and sin. Don't listen to those who promote materialism, chasing after money and, and uh, possessions. Don't listen to those who say it's okay to indulge your sinful earthly appetites. I don't care how many things they say that sound right. I don't care how sincere they seem to be. I don't even care how popular they are. If they practice, promote, or condone ungodliness, they are emissaries of the enemy and they are peddling his poison. And if you swallow it, it'll kill you. But what if you've already believed the lie? What if you've already bought into the lie that says you're not going to have to answer for your ungodliness? What if you think that living ungodly won't keep you out of heaven? What do you do? There's only one thing you can do. Look to Jesus. Confess your ungodliness and plead with him for mercy. If you've bought into the notion that you can live ungodly and still get in heaven, 
You have believed a lie. You have swallowed the poison. And the only thing you can do is turn your back on your sinful life. Trust Jesus alone to forgive you and save you. That's the only hope you have. And I'd invite you to do that even now, even this moment. Abandon your ungodliness and turn to Jesus. Let's pray.